Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Dr. Anise Chagpar. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about the care of patients with kidney disease and cancer with Dr. Anushree Shirali. Dr. Shirali is an associate professor of medicine in the section of nephrology at the Yale School of Medicine, where Dr. Chagpar is a professor of surgical oncology. Maybe we could start off by you telling us a little bit more about yourself and what it is you do. Sure, I'd be happy to. So I am a a clinical nephrologist, um, and I have been here at Yale since about 2006 when I came for fellowship. I spent a few years in an immunology lab and then uh, joined the clinical faculty back in 2011. That's when Smilo was uh, just getting off the ground, and there was a real need for uh, renal-specific or kidney-specific care of cancer patients. So I started seeing um, uh, cancer patients who have any sort of kidney issue, and uh, that, in essence, is what I do now, is a clinical practice that is centered on onconephrology. So tell us a little bit more about onconephrology. Is that really cancer patients who have kidney issues or is that really people who have kidney cancer? Yeah, so it's a bit more expansive than just patients who may have cancer of the of the kidney. Uh, so onconephrology is a relatively new subspecialty within the field of nephrology, uh, really about 10 to 15 years old. Um, and it involves the care of uh, patients who have either active cancer or a history of cancer who then develop kidney disease in all of its forms. And that could be something like having some protein in the urine or blood in the urine, uh, or it could be a change in actual kidney function, something that we measure by a blood marker called creatinine. And that change in creatinine could happen over a short period of time, which we call acute kidney injury, or it could happen over a longer period of time, something that we call chronic kidney disease. And then finally, uh, patients who have cancer, and particularly those who are on certain types of active treatment, can also develop high blood pressure. So the job of the onconephrologist is really to um, take care of patients who have all these different manifestations of, of kidney disease. So that's a really good point, because we know that people in general can get kidney disease, whether they have hypertension or diabetes or various other nephropathies. Um, And clearly, people who have cancer are also people, so they could get these things too. But do people who have cancer and or are on certain therapies uh, related to cancer, like chemotherapy or people who have gotten radiation uh, for various reasons, particularly to the abdomen, are, are they at increased risk of getting kidney disease? And if so, can you talk a little bit more about what those things are that put them at risk? 
Yes, definitely. And, and the answer is yes, they are indeed at risk, uh, specifically from, uh, well, in certain cases from the cancer itself. So I'm thinking here of kidney cancer, when you have to have a nephrectomy or removal of the kidney that's been affected by tumor, you lose some kidney function, the uh, surgical procedure itself can uh, uh, cause certain types of injury to the kidney. But yes, but other types of therapies for any kind of cancer, uh, uh, can also cause uh, different uh, manifestations of kidney disease, particularly acute kidney injury. And this is not something new within oncology. So platinum-based drugs, for example, have been around for a very long time. And we knew early on that cisplatin is a particularly toxic to the kidney, a part of the kidney called the proximal tubule that does, uh, that's really the workhorse of the kidney can be damaged um, uh, with use of cisplatin. Uh, so that's something that we've known for a long time. Uh, there are other more what we call targeted therapies. So um, something that I think about uh, or see commonly is the use of uh, inhibitors against vascular endothelial growth factor, which is a growth factor that encourages tumor growth. So inhibition of that is uh, obviously of uh, importance when you're trying to uh, uh, achieve tumor um, uh, growth suppression. But VEGF also happens to play an integral role in maintaining uh, the uh, vascular architecture of the kidney. And so uh, when these drugs first came out, we uh, noted that patients were presenting with new onset or of high blood pressure, or if they had pre-existing uh, a hypertension, uh, the control of that blood pressure became worse with the use of VEGF inhibitors. Um, we then also noted that these patients were getting uh, protein in their urine. And when they, uh, when some of these patients ended up getting biopsied, we noticed something called thrombotic microangiopathy. Essentially, they were getting in their uh, uh, kidneys um, uh, clots within the blood vessels of the kidneys. So we know that a variety of different uh, treatments uh, for cancer can cause um, uh, injury to the kidney itself, and that prompt uh, man, uh, diagnosis of these uh, kidney injuries uh, can then lead to uh, controlling those uh, manifestations better. Yeah. So that was the other question, of course, which is, you know, we know that there are a number of side effects of cancer therapies. And sometimes, you know, in order to try to control the cancer, you kind of have to bite the bullet on the on the risks uh, associated with those therapies. But it, it, it is it is concerning if uh, some of those uh, factors are irreversible. But what I'm gathering from you is that so long as you can diagnose it and treat it effectively, that these um, can be managed. Is that right? Or does this sometimes lead to irreversible kidney failure? Yeah, so I want to, you know, reassure that most of the time it is indeed reversible. Um, so cisplatin is a great example. Um, you know, it can cause an acute rise in in the blood creatinine, um, and the, those are the referrals that I get pretty quickly. Um, and patients often, you know, uh, express a lot of concern. You know, my I don't want my kidneys to fail. I don't want to end up on dialysis. Uh, but in general, the way we manage it is is quite conservatively. Uh, you know, usually they'll be a break in, in chemotherapy. Uh, there'll be just supportive uh, care. And then uh, over a, t a period of time, usually within weeks, I've never had, uh, you know, uh, 
injury lasts for several months. Uh, but usually within um, a matter of a few weeks, the kidney function will then return usually to normal. Sometimes people will have a creatinine that ends up being a bit over what their baseline values are. Uh, but in general, uh, you know, even if they have uh, residual kidney disease, it's very mild and it's very manageable. And so um, if people have already had um, pre-existing kidney disease, so let's say somebody has hypertension and they're already starting to have the first signs of kidney disease and then they end up getting cancer, I mean, are you often involved in kind of helping to guide therapy? I mean, should those patients avoid some of the more nephrotoxic uh, chemotherapies? Or is this something where it's kind of like, you know what, we'll manage with, you know, just deal with your cancer and we'll kind of deal with uh, whatever we need to deal with on the back end? Right. So I think the, the answer sort of depends on what, are the different choices for therapy of that particular cancer. And that, of course, will depend on uh, what organ type is affected, you know, how uh, advanced is the malignancy. And then it also depends on how bad is the pre-existing kidney disease. And, and, I, and I definitely do see those patients even before treatment is started, mostly so that the uh, oncologist and I can uh, partner in uh, potentially uh, modifying the types of treatment. Um, so for example, uh, many of these uh, chemotherapies are actually cleared by the kidney. So uh, so it's not just that you worry about the drugs that are uh, going to be toxic to the kidney. And if someone has pre-existing kidney disease, then their kidney disease gets worse and that ends up being an issue. But that even the uh, therapies that are not particularly nephrotoxic, so toxic to the kidney, uh, are uh, metabolically cleared by the kidney. And so what you then worry about is that these uh, chemotherapies could build up and cause toxicity in other organs if you're uh, if you have pre-existing kidney disease and you can't quite clear um, the uh, chemotherapy that's being given to you. And so we do have some guidelines depending on the drug and how much experience we have on it about uh, dose reduction if you have pre-existing um, kidney disease. Um, I've also had my own dialysis patients develop cancer uh, and that's a particularly challenging um, thing because you're dealing with their dialysis treatments and you're dealing with having to definitely modify chemotherapy in order to dose things safely and effectively for the particular cancer. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like um, certainly things can get um, a little bit tricky when you're dealing with somebody who has pre-existing uh, kidney issues. But one of the questions that might come up, I mean, there are people who either have donated a kidney yep. um, or have uh, lost a kidney for whatever uh, reason, either a benign uh, uh, tumor or perhaps uh, due to a trauma, have had right. either a partial or a total nephrectomy. And, and after that... Oftentimes they're told, "Don't worry, um, you have two kidneys. Uh, okay. You can you can live quite happily on one." Right. Right. Um, if they then get cancer, um, does that uh, cause an impediment, or is it that you know, so long as that one kidney is functioning, um, they're still okay? 
Yeah. So in a sense, you're absolutely right, right? When people have a nephrectomy, whether it's traumatic or sometimes it's congenital, right? You're just born with one kidney. Uh, that is the advice we give them, that you should be okay because your other remnant kidney uh, does start uh, taking over for the other kidney that let's quote unquote should be there. Um, uh, and that is true. You, uh, you should be maintaining your overall kidney function, whether you have one or two kidneys. Having said that, um, that uh, remaining kidney remains in a sense, right, more susceptible because you're only working with a certain amount of kidney reserve. So yes, if uh, so, the patients I think about sometimes are the ones who have kidney cancers and have had to have a nephrectomy, and then end up being on some sort of um, systemic treatment that is potentially nephrotoxic. And so there, I do worry a little bit more because you're working with less kidney reserve. And so if we are using potentially nephrotoxic therapies, that we just have to uh, monitor very closely. Yeah, and, and and it sounds like, um, particularly for people with kidney cancer, is 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 that really more so for people who have had kidney cancer that have had a nephrectomy, um, or or is that for anybody who's got a single kidney um, who's getting nephrotoxic drugs? Yeah, I would say it's not, you know, particularly um, specific to uh, people with kidney cancer. I really think it's, you know, for anybody who's ha had a nephrectomy for any reason, whether it's congenital or, you know, related to trauma. Fantastic. Well, we are going to take a short break uh, for a medical minute. But on the other side, hopefully we'll talk more about kidney cancer and the whole area of onconephrology with my guest, Dr. Anushree Shirali. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers comes from Smilo Cancer Hospital, where their Center for Gastrointestinal Cancers provides patients with a comprehensive, multidisciplinary approach to the treatment of GI cancers. SmiloCancerHospital.org. The American Cancer Society estimates that over 200,000 cases of melanoma will be diagnosed in the United States this year, with over 1,000 patients in Connecticut alone. While melanoma accounts for only about 1% of skin cancer cases, it causes the most skin cancer deaths, but when detected early, it is easily treated and highly curable. Clinical trials are currently underway at federally designated comprehensive cancer centers, such as Yale Cancer Center and at Smilo Cancer Hospital, to test innovative new treatments for melanoma. The goal of the Specialized Programs of Research Excellence in Skin Cancer grant is to better understand the biology of skin cancer with a focus on discovering targets that will lead to improved diagnosis and treatment. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio. Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Anise Chagpar, and I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Anushree Shirali. We're talking about the field of onconephrology, which is really how cancer intersects with nephrology or kidney disease. And this isn't specifically just for kidney cancers. It can be for any cancer um, where therapies may have nephrotoxic uh, uh, side effects. So, 
Dr. Shirali, before the break, we were talking about some of the chemotherapies that um, can be nephrotoxic. And you mentioned, mm-hmm. for example, platinum agents. These days, um, we are using a lot more immunotherapies. Can right. you talk a little bit more about um, the effects potentially of immunotherapies on the kidney and what can be done about that? Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, immunotherapy, as uh, I'm sure the audience knows, is is really becoming the mainstay treatment for a variety of different cancers, not just kidney cancer, but lung cancer, melanoma, and, and others. So it's really an exciting time, I think, for the field of oncology and for patients who are looking for um, a treatment of their tumors. Um, unfortunately, uh, the same drugs can have immune side effects on things other than their particular tumor. And so uh, we knew early on at Yale when we were, um, when patients were enrolled in clinical trials for some of the immunotherapies. Uh, and what we noticed, uh, I had several referrals for patients who had a elevation in their creatinine all of a sudden. And when we biopsied their kidneys, we found something that we call acute interstitial nephritis. It's essentially a fancy term for uh, infiltration of the kidney with a variety of immune cells. And the way I sort of explain it to patients is that you can think about it as a hypersensitivity or allergic reaction in the kidney. And we see the acute interstitial nephritis with other drugs, so NSAIDs or Advil ibuprofen are what we commonly, um, uh, patients who are on them can sometimes develop kidney injury. And if we biopsy, we'll sometimes see acute interstitial nephritis. And it's really thought to be a hypersensitivity reaction in the kidney. With the immunotherapy, uh, we don't quite know what the mechanism here is. We hypothesize that it's you know, general immune activation against the ca- cancer and that maybe there's some sort of cross-reactive antigen in the kidney that these immune cells then respond to. Um, but it, the um, presentation can be quite dramatic. I've had patients with a you know very high uh, creatinine where their kidney function can go uh, you know quite low. But it also tends to be a very steroid responsive side effect that happens in the kidney with immunotherapy. So um, in general, um, it's uh, you know you'd stop the immunotherapy and you would treat somebody with steroids and you'd see pretty quick resolution um, in the um, in the uh, elevation of their uh, serum creatinine. Um, it's not a, you know, it's not uncommon, but it doesn't happen in all patients either. So in the studies, as well as the post-marketing data that we have, it's about a two to 4% incidence rate, um, among all patients who are, uh, being treated with immunotherapy. So something that we encounter, but something that's also treatable. And so how often should patients who are on chemotherapy or on an immune checkpoint inhibitor have their creatinine checked? I mean, is that something that is routinely done um, or is it something that, you know, patients could should sh- kind of advocate for? Yeah. So I think in general, because so much of uh, uh, chemotherapy and immunotherapy is is protocol driven, uh, you know, it's sort of built into when they come in for their treatment. So, uh, you know, before you're going to be infused with your particular chemotherapy or immunotherapy, you'll have a visit with your oncologist, um, uh, 
uh, or another provider, and you'll have all of your labs drawn that morning. And the serum creatinine, so that's the what we check um, to see how someone's kidneys are functioning, is part of the basic metabolic panel that's uh, ordered with these labs. And you had mentioned that many times um, the kidney side effects of chemotherapies or immunotherapies tend to be acute. Are there long-term side effects um, that might hurt your kidneys down the road? So, you know, two, five, ten years later, um, you end up with uh, kidney issues uh, that may be related to your earlier therapy? Uh, yeah, so that's a great question. Um, and I think the answer to that is is yes, particularly when you uh, look at the age group of, of, of patients being treated. So the best example I can uh, give you from my own clinical experience when I see patients in our uh, onconephrology clinic is patients who've had uh, childhood cancer of some sort, and they're treated with uh, nephrotoxic agents. So ifosfamide is, is the particular um, chemotherapy that I'm thinking of. And it is uh, particularly nephrotoxic, and that nephrotoxicity is very dose dependent. Um, and so uh, there's, you know, now a pretty large uh, repository of, of literature that suggests that if you get uh, cumulative dosing over uh, uh, a lifetime of over a certain amount of ifosfamide, the chances of getting chronic kidney disease later on in life um, that is directly tied to that cancer or to that uh, chemotherapy is higher. Um, and as you mentioned before, right, that cancer patients aren't just patients who have cancer, right? They have their people who can get diabetes and hypertension later on. So when I get referrals for chronic kidney disease in patients who have had a history of cancer, you know, the most important thing I um, underscore is that, um, that whatever's happened with your kidney has happened. We can't undo that. And thankfully, your cancer is at bay. But what we now need to do is uh, control risk factors that could make your existing kidney disease worse. So essentially, you have another insult that can make your uh, pre-existing kidney disease worse. And so that's really control of, of your diet. So if you happen to have high blood pressure, taking your meds, controlling your salt, if you have diabetes, controlling your sugar, taking your diabetes meds. So really, uh, you know, same kind of advice I'd give to uh, patients with chronic kidney disease who don't have a history of cancer. And so is it really that, you know, you're, you're trying to minimize any additional injury? Or is there a way to reverse the injury that's already happened? Yeah, so you know the kidney is a really remarkable organ. It can really withstand a lot of um, uh, a variety of insults. And so the example I give to people is: let's say you are sick with something and you have vomiting and diarrhea for several days, right? All of us will not end up, even though you're having a huge amount of volume loss, but all of us don't end up getting kidney disease from that. And that's because the kidney is very remarkable. It's got a variety of different mechanisms to withstand what's happening to the rest of the body when you have an acute illness. Sometimes, though, if an illness is extended or, uh, uh, you know, you, you're definitely getting a toxic agent that you can't be off of, um, that insult and that injury is ongoing. And the kidney reaches a point where it can try to defend itself, but it 
has reached a point where the kidney injury um, sets in. So in those cases, um, I, I sort of liken it to someone getting a cut on their skin. Uh, it depends on what the cut is like, how deep it is. Um, sometimes that cut will heal and you'll look at it and you'll never know there was a cut there. Other times, though, if the cut on the skin is deeper or it's a particular kind of cut, you'll end up seeing a scar. So the kidney, in, in you know, to use that analogy, uh, can get and can get a cut, and that cut can either heal or if it's a severe cut, then you'll end up with scarring in the kidney. Now we had talked earlier about um, the fact that you know this is. Uh, some of the toxicities um, associated with chemotherapy and immunotherapy, et cetera, um, that are used for any kind of cancer can affect the kidney. Mm-hmm. Um, are, for people who have had kidney cancer, are those side effects worse? Um, in other words, is the kidney that has had the kidney cancer, you know, more susceptible to injury um, or it, it, does that not really play a role? Yeah, so I don't think there's any great literature that suggests that, you know, having kidney cancer puts you at more risk for having kidney side effects from a particular treatment. Um, uh, and, and frankly, we don't know why certain people get injury with cisplatin, for example, uh, or why one, 2 to 4% get um, uh, kidney injury from immunotherapy. Why don't the other 97 to 99%, right? Why, do, why don't they get it? So I don't think we really uh, understand the uh, completely the mechanisms of why particular patients get a particular nephrotoxicity from a specific uh, drug, uh, whether that's chemotherapy or immunotherapy. So I would I wouldn't say that patients with kidney cancer are more susceptible to side effects. It's more that if they already have compromised kidney function, so uh, p- perhaps they've had um, a pre-existing kidney disease or they have had a nephrectomy, then potentially if they get nephrotoxicity from a particular agent, for example, then I am a little bit more nervous that they have less renal reserve to withstand that. Yeah. And what about the reverse? So um, if you have had uh, a chemotherapy or an immunotherapy with a a nephrotoxic drug, um, are you more susceptible for developing kidney cancer down the line? In other words, that toxicity, that scar from that right. cut, um, does that increase your risk of kidney cancer down the line? Um, so I wouldn't say there's, you know, kidney cancer in particular. There's some very muddy data that suggests that patients with chronic kidney disease um, may be at generally at higher risk for getting cancer of any kind. And there's some theories on that because kidney disease can lead to uh, some relative uh, suppression of the immune system. And so you're not getting surveillance of cancer that's floating around. Um, but it's not, you know, very clean data. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that having kidney disease makes one at higher risk in particular for kidney cancer. And, you know, you had mentioned that particularly for people who may have been treated in childhood for childhood cancers Mm -hmm. with nephrotoxic drugs, that there's a risk for developing um, kidney disease years down the line. Can you talk a little bit about some of the 
symptoms and and um, signs uh, that people should watch for uh, that might lead them to believe that they have kidney disease because presumably they wouldn't be getting routine blood work at, at that right. point. Right. So so that's a great question. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we'll get referrals for, um, you know, patients who've been diagnosed uh, based on their lab testing with chronic kidney disease. And they'll say, but I don't feel anything. And that is actually quite true uh, that kidney disease, for the most part, unless it becomes very advanced, is, is relatively asymptomatic. So most of the times the diagnosis for kidney disease is really based on uh, routine lab testing testing. So, uh, so that's a great point that you're right, that, you know, if you had childhood cancer, you may not necessarily in your early 20s be getting blood work done. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, and, and you're right, a lot of times the way uh, patients will present is that, you know, perhaps they'll have some sort of uh, insurance company uh, lab screening, and that will incidentally pick up uh, kidney disease. But in general, the, um, the symptoms of uh, and signs of kidney disease don't show up until they're very advanced, and they tend to be pretty nonspecific. So patients will complain of, you know, I don't feel like eating very much. I've lost some weight. Uh, food tastes different to me. I have nausea. So nothing that I think would immediately clue uh, patients in that they have um, kidney disease. Dr. Anushri Shirali is an associate professor of medicine in the section of nephrology at the Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is canceranswers at yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. We hope you'll join us next week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio. Funding for Yale Cancer Answers is provided by Smilo Cancer Hospital.